Preamp Project is a series of conversations that celebrates and documents the past, present and future of the music scene in Preston. One of the things we're doing is talking about the Preston music scene and, and in particular we're wanting to get stories that were in Preston from Preston people or people who were playing in Preston at that time. It's about the city because I'm aware that every, lots of places and every, almost everywhere has a music scene of some kind but Preston has a particular music scene because it's based around the people who were in it. Simple as that. Um, we play common music that might be played elsewhere, but we have kind of different different venues, and and the flavour of the music scene in Preston is a flavour, in to some degree, of of a reflection of what Preston is. So when I when I'm part of the kind of creative network in Preston, you know, kind of know people, artists and designers and musicians and whatever, and one of the things. If you ask people in creative sector in Preston what what is what's the flavour of Preston creatively, one of the things they use is it's a bit edgy. Second thing they often say is we don't suffer fools. Um, I'd like the first question I'd like to ask you, and we're just going to then enter into this open conversation is either at yeah at the time when you first joined the music scene and your your predominant time during the music scene in Preston, how would you have described Preston music scene? I suppose that listen I think probably most people listening to radio Luxembourg and other lucky people might have been listening to records that wasn't on there everything and t v the shadows were on and Cliff Richards and all and various other bands from that era, and, and I suppose, ooh, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. So I, th- I would say lively, and um, there's a lot of people continued the careers. Uh, Keith Hartley, who went to play, he ended up playing at Woodstock, and David John on the Mood, who actually took it a step further than just playing locally, I suppose. Um, there were other bands probably that made... You know, it made it big in, at the, in the Arrows, which was uh, Varley, wasn't it? Paul Varley, and yeah, he went yeah. so, he went all all over the world with various things, TV stuff and things like that. Although that wasn't my particular scene, but I think it was just inquisitive, I suppose. Of how you do that? Oh, that sound good? And uh, you just wanted to. Uh, I picked up my, my first guitar, which was five quid. In my brother bought me five pound, five guineas it was actually from Sid Munson in Meadow Street because I used to go to school at Saint Ignatius. My brother bought it me, um, and I, tre- I cherish that. I, honestly, it was like, by God, what, what kind guitar. of guitar was it? Um, unknown, uh, probably a Czechoslovakian thing. I remember going all the way to Blackpool to get a, a scratch plate, and I put it on and split the wood. <laughs> And I thought, oh my God! Anyway, there you go. <laughs> so then it was, but uh, the next one I got was in uh, Cranes in Loon Street, which was twenty-five pounds. I think it was a, I think it might have been a Hofner Red Strat-like guitar, and I must say, very good. I smashed it up one time at a gig in Lancaster, and I regret that to this day, really, because I thought that was a bit 
Noted that really up on reflection. Why, why did why did you smash it up? Because we were doing who stuff. They were doing oh. who stuff. And, and it was. I, it, I hated it. So, but it was just the thing, you know. It's a lot of bollocks that thing, but, but having said that, the other thing uh, to that is a guy said, "Can I have the neck?" <laughs> and I said. Yeah, and I'm really sorry I ever did that because it's not fair. It wasn't fair to me, Dad, who probably twenty five quid was quite a lot of money in 1962. Yeah, yeah. So I do regret that. But say we just went up. We developed from uh, the Centurions. Everybody had a Roman name, didn't they? Centurions, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the Drifters, or whatever, or Gladiators. Yeah. Uh, so you end up, we end up as, started as a Centurions as a four piece, then Mickey's uh, Phil's cousin dropped out because he then joined a, a more uh, progressive band called the Falcons. Right. So we, lo- we, lo- we lost him. So I ended up having to play supposedly guitar. So I still struggle with the fact that I. So I do you play lead guitar? I go, well, I do, but. You know, um, I, I don't particularly rate myself as anything other than some people like my play, which is which is really nice. But um, and and progress from that really, we just, we just end up doing youth started in youth clubs, as a lot of bands. Even Dave Dave Morris will probably remember uh, Saint Anthony's Youth Club. So we kind of developed and got better at what we did and. Uh, we had a few name changes along the line from left, right, left, right and centre. That's a mum name, that isn't it? <laughs> left, right and centre. Because there were three of us left, right and centre. One of me, one of our mums suggested the Fulwoodonians. Oh, oh, oh my God! God. <laughs> anyway, so then we just we just got better what about at the what Bobby we Dillons, did. Yeah, that? the Dillons. <laughs> So we then just developed, really, metal to a lot of nice people. And, and as I say, most musicians, I would say, were, were very, more than um, helpful. And, you know, nobody ever said, oh, you know, like, what do you want to... You know, Frank Newbold, who, who played with Little Free Rock and stuff, yeah, he came yeah. round and, and, sh- and he had a... I think it was a harmony meteorite guitar, and it was like, oh, my, look at that guitar. <laughs> You know, loads of switches and things on it, and it was like uh, so. He he was very, you know, affable to showing you little things, you know, which was really say everybody involved. Then it was like a family, I suppose, yeah. of people, you know. So you'd have described it as a friendly kind of, kind of yeah. pretty friendly scene. Yeah, I said early on, earlier on, it, it, it was, I think. Uh, cause there was I local rivalry, though. Well, there this probably was. Which some bands that thought they were better than other bands. Yeah. There was always, well, there's always that, didn't there? Yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, t- generally, it was a, a friendly yeah. feeling. For yeah, us. I think so. As I say, I mean, during the uh, 70s, which I, I'm mainly familiar with, everyone was, from, uh, was friendly with everyone else. There was never any trouble at gigs. No. Yeah. It's just great. I mean, if you didn't enjoy a band, you didn't enjoy a band, but you didn't go around slagging them off or anything. No. You just got on with the night and came back another time. And t- tell me about some of your early manoeuvres in Preston, though. So were you in bands or... Were I wasn't in a band. You were no. in part of the audience. I was part of the audience, yeah. Tell me, tell me about... Some, will tell you. <laughs> tell me about some early great gigs. Who, who would you like to highlight? <laughs> oh, yeah, other than Terry. Other than Terry. Yeah, Terry did one great gig, I remember that. <laughs> there was a group called Pato, Ooh. who was a brilliant band. Oh. Fabulous band. Yeah. Frightening band, really. 
Yeah, <laughs> they were. I mean, unfortunately, the records didn't encapsulate what they, what no. they were about. You're right. They were, they were absolutely brilliant. Probably the best band that played the Amethyst. Yes, thing. absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. So Paul Yolsall on guitar. Yeah, that's right. So tell me a bit about the Amethyst. The Amethyst, as far as I'm aware, started in 1969, I think it was, uh, in uh, Avenham. Yeah, the Hibernia Club. It was, a, yeah, the Hibernia Club, the Irish club, which they probably... Um, hired out for the night and lasted till uh, 1974, I think, was it? Mm. 74, 75? Yeah. yeah, it was on the decline then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in decline, <laughs> but even the 72, 73 period was, was good. Yeah. It was busy. There's a lot of, lot of names that came. It, it was started with Phil Eves, who was a drummer. That's right. And he's... I've said lack of venues to play, which, is, right, which yeah. is a shame, really. But we ended up playing at Stacks, which is uh, I think a few people in the room would probably remember. But I remember one; it was more a ballroomy type of uh, thing. And I remember one drummer coming and knocking nails in the floor to hold oh. his fucking you know, hold his <laughs> bass drum. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, and the the owner was like. <laughs> So, uh, but it was like we said, like a venues. I suppose there there was and there wasn't. I mean, Kim was playing at the Lancaster. There were just, there were steadfast venue, venues. Venue well, yeah, you know, uh, you an could, early sixties venue was great. The thing that, that killed the Lancaster was that bloody ring road they built in yeah. the middle of town. Yeah. It just div divided the town in two, and the north side of town just yeah. went to pot. At, at that time. If you could just bring your mic a bit closer to you, to yourself Sorry. as well, that's thank you. That's fine. Um, at that time, though, so kind of late sixties and going into the early seventies, when the amethyst um, mid to mid seventies, when the amethyst might have closed, there were some big gigs happening in Preston, weren't there? Because I know were. Gordon was talking about no. was it seventy two? David Bowie came. Yeah. Um, so, because I'm aware that we're talking about the local scene, the local bands and stuff, but. How did some of those bigger things influence you guys? Did any of you get to those gigs? I yeah. did, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I remember... But I, the first time I saw Bowie was at the old public hall. Yeah. And there was only about 200 people in the place. Led Zeppelin came there, didn't they? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't... It, it was a vibrant scene, but there wasn't massive turnouts for... I mean, people no. like Led Zeppelin sold out and played people like that. But you could go to a gig, even, you know. Well, the Beatles played at the public hall. Well, that sold they? out, yeah, yeah. So, and things like that. Yeah. And then it went to the Guild Hall, and then they had numerous bands, Paul yeah. McCartney, Yes, well, was, you name it, you know. At, at one time during the early 70s, well, mid early to mid 70s, there was two or three gigs a, a week yeah so so in terms of numbers because because i'm very aware that a music scene it is important that we have lots of lots of musicians that are interested in trying stuff and, and whatever but an audience is equally as important equally as important because if no bugger turns up it's always a damn squib so when would you say in terms of your golden era when when were the best audiences coming would you say probably in the 70s wouldn't it well, we had a good crowd at the lamb we used to play the oh, lamb yeah, yeah. every week for about well i played for seven years they played 
They played longer. I played with the band for about seven years. Uh, we had a good crowd. Uh, it didn't. It, it changed, but but not much. We had people that left the band. Phil left the band because uh, he didn't like you. He didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, he hasn't changed. He still doesn't like me, which is. <laughs> Which is fair Because you've not changed. No, I've not changed. I tried <laughs> yeah. to shoot him, but he ran out of the way. Uh, <laughs> we had Joe Williams, who was a great singer. Yes, uh, he was. Yeah. He came from Count Basie days, but we played... I thought we had really... We, we were really tight, and a lot of the younger bands, one in particular, I always remember, was, was Reg. Yeah. Reg Keel came with the band. I've never forgot what he said to me. He said, we walked in, we thought, look at those old forts playing on the stage and at the end of the night the, his bass player said but they can play can't they <laughs> so he hated having to say you can actually play can't yeah, they yeah. because they were the young kids on the block and hats and all that lot where we just wore jeans t-shirts and got on with it yeah so at that point then so your regular gigs at the lamb and it's going well you're what kind of age then 30s uh, late 30s, mid 30s to late 30s. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so describe to me the kind of music you were playing at that point. Oh, absolutely. Well, we were playing definitely some soul stuff, but without a brass section because we had Joe. Joe Williams was a, a black guy who was a great singer, really good singer. Uh, yeah, he was. And he played a lot of guitar as well. It was all like chord, so Terry played all the leads. So we did stuff like that, and then I did things like. Uh, uh, muddy waters and stuff like that. I tried to throw a few Alan Wolf lovers in that they didn't go down well. But it was it was all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was okay. And unfortunately, we did a couple of Joe Cocker numbers, which I regret to this day. But we used to do that, but they used to go down well, and we had a good crowd. And the only reason the crowd dropped off is we were there a long time. So if you're there a long time, people say, well, we don't need to go here next, this week. Yeah, we can see next week. We can catch them next week, yeah. And, and that was the downside to it. But we lasted a long time. We played a lot of good stuff, but I come from a completely different background. When I first saw Terry and his band, everything they did, if you be careful how you phrase this, haven't you, nowadays, everything they did was white. And it was like they did, they liked the faces, small faces, and they liked, moved on to the who, then they moved on to cream, and they moved on to pink flame. Well, I started with Art Tatum, then I. I <laughs> Then I, <laughs> from our Tatum, we went to Howling Wolf, Muddy Waters, Sunny Slim. Then I went to uh, Aretha Franklin, Booker T and the MGs, yeah. Al Green. So I've just moved in that sort. Well, I, do, I usually play music that's not for me, but I like playing with the people that I play with. So finally, we used to get some numbers of each thing until you're happy with what you're playing, you could go, well, I don't like that, that's all right, because the next one I really do like, so we'll play that. So we come from different backgrounds musically all together. Sorry, go on. Fat Duck was a, a genuine blues band. It was, yes, Fat Duck. Well, well, because I played played with, uh, God bless him, Ken Brown and Kenny Green ah. at, at, at the uh, Amethyst. That's when Phil first saw us playing. Then uh, Miffy, David John, from yeah. David John, he came to see me and said, they're looking for somebody, and I thought they wanted a bass player. I don't think Terry knows what I've ever told him. 50 years. <laughs> so I went down. Luckily, I didn't take my guitar. And when I rolled up, they already had a bass player. I thought, what do they want me for? So it, they wanted me just to do vocals. So I did vocals, but after three years, I didn't like being at the front. I know people might not. 
I didn't like. I don't like being in the front. I'm better being a sideman at the back, singing a few numbers. I'm happy, but I had to do the whole bullshit thing at the front. And after three years, I thought I can't cope anymore with this. So that's when I left the band. But Fat Drop was the premier band in Preston. Well, we I did mean, it all was right. Brilliant. Yeah, we did all right. But it, it was. We, we, well, we were doing things. We were doing BB King numbers and Torch Mahal yeah. numbers. Yeah. Which was great because when the first time they went, they said, right, we've got a great number and it's called Rolling and Tumbling. And I thought, Rolling and Tumbling? <laughs> so they started playing and I thought, who the hell's this? And I realised <laughs> it was Trim that did it at 450 yeah. mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. Where I did Muddy Waters, you're doing this at five mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. So I said, no, that's not how we do it. This is how we do it. And of course, I have a reputation for going, no, that's wrong, this <laughs> is right. But it's only because I know that that's wrong and this is right. <laughs> because you play blues numbers like blues numbers, don't you? But you were right. And I was right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think My mother said I was right. Yeah. One of the things I would I've noticed over the years within the music thing, and I said before, bands come and go, is inevitably bands are made of individuals, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And and quite strong-willed people come, yeah. you know, who, how many really shy, you know, kind of introverted people are going to want to join a band? Not many. Yeah. So that happens, doesn't it? You know, difference of opinion and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So wh- one of the things I'm interested in. About the, the the whole music period, and I asked the lads last time about this was, who were the people around that were a bit different that brought something new and different to the table that you think might have been an influence? Who were those people? Impressed, well, Preston people. Right, well, I say Reg Kilt came with a big fedora and a big black cape, and he wrote all his own stuff. He loved the stuff that he wrote, and they were all meaningful songs. But he didn't make my <laughs> stuff up. His soul, Terry Nightingale's soul was made my two guitar players, absolutely. Steve Vesketh, he used to make me stand up. Yeah, Terry Nightingale. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I played with loads of guitar players, great guitar players, but they didn't make me stand up. But he's does, and, and Steve Vesketh. So what, what's the difference? What is it about those guitar Oh, well, it, it's just feeling. When you're on song, you know it. Just You feel like it, and you're in the group. That's the reason I play in the band, that because uh, I've got Terry and... and uh, it makes me still want to play because I didn't think I'm not actually bothered about playing, but I want to play. I like what what Terry plays. I like the stuff. And with the guys that we've got, we play things. It's compromised. But when Red Skeelty came on the scene, we all these gang, they were the new kids on the black, and they thought they were absolutely. They thought they were the big days and fabulous, and they were. And it was all stuff. Well, it wasn't punky stuff, but it was all singer songwriting, but not like James Taylor. You know, and I used yeah. to listen to it and think yeah. it doesn't do anything for me, but. They were great, and they were nice people, and that's the important thing. They were really nice people. Well, and the big music scene was changing anyway. Well, it was because we were playing in uh, Warrington, uh, the Red Lion, and uh, yeah. we were just dying a death. Death, yeah. So, 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 what year was that? that was just yeah. pre-punk, I think. And yeah. Big, yeah, right, people yeah, were yeah. getting yeah. bored with. I would yeah. say we were virt- certainly not virtuoso, but. Yeah. You know, young kids didn't... didn't yeah, the whole music scene changed, didn't it? Ch- yeah. Yeah, it did. So, therefore, th- there's nobody at, from Preston that influenced me, I don't think, and I can't think of one player. I used to go and see, like, uh, guitar players. Bloody hell, he's good. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Entwistle. Well, from that Reg Welsh. And Reg Welsh, yeah, who, again, was uh, a professional guitar player, could play anything, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't have stirred Kim... 
with his solos. He was just, he wasn't a solo. No, he player, didn't do that. He? he played he, jazz chords, didn't he? That's what yeah. he did. He didn't do soloing. But he's played with lots of professional people, and uh, I mean, one of our first gigs, we supported the Small Faces. That's right. <laughs> at the Floral Hall in Southport. Nice. And I had a Watkins Dominator, which was about 17 watts. <laughs> and uh, then this van rolled up and the small faces came in <laughs> with Marshall Stacks. <laughs> and we were... <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit embarrassing. I mean, our sounds was crawled off the edge of the stage, I think. <laughs> yeah. But Ronnie Lane, the, is it Ron, Ronnie yes, Lane? Plunk, yeah, yeah, he yeah, said yeah, to Ronnie Tony, Lane, yeah. do you want to use me? You can use me stack if you want, you know. And the other, what's the guitar player? Steve Marriott. Yeah, he was in the dressing room doing his hair, I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, uh, so we, we we actually were on, you know, we supported Chris Farl and the Thunderbirds, and one of my favourite yeah. guitar players, Albert Lee, was in was in that. And right. Chris Farlow uh, did it. He had a hit in six. It was 66, uh, Chris Farlow. Out of time. Out of time. And we actually saw them in Torquay not long after we supported them. Uh, and I, I just thought, bloody hell, you know. You so there's players like, I suppose, that were coming to Preston, Beachcomber, they had yeah, um, yeah. Well, Rod Stewart and yeah, uh, what were they called? Julie Driscoll. Yeah. Elton John, when he was rich. John, he was on his, you know. yeah, piano. And they were, were low-key, I suppose, the gigs, were they? You know, they, they wasn't never packed yeah. out, but it still transpires to today, because last time I saw Jeff back, he was probably one of my... Top guitar player, favorite guitar players, because he he brings something totally different to the guitar playing uh, mm. people, and it wasn't sold out. And I was I thought, yeah, it's, it's the Guildhall. I don't know what year that is. About ten years ago, and it wasn't. I thought it had been heaving, you know. And it wasn't so. I mean, big. that sums up Preston. Yeah, really. it does. I yeah. mean, there, there are very few gigs that. Really yeah, sell out. Yeah, at the Guild Hall. No, if, if, yeah, just, right. if Justin Bieber had been on, he wouldn't have been able to yeah, get in the bloody place. That's right. Place, yeah, you know, yeah. So, and there's so no, but have... nobody on there at the minute, of course. No, nobody. No. Who's that? Who's that? I'm, I'm interested. You, yeah. A little while ago, you mentioned that the kind of the the scene was changing, um, and pre-punk, and. I don't know, I can't remember the phrase you used, something like, you know, we've had our day or whatever, you know. Yeah. There's a mood change, okay? Because I, I know around that period, mid-70s, I, I was into kind of Dr. Feelgood and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of pre, considered pre-punk. Yeah. But they played kind of, you know, rhythm and blues, um, old-fashioned style of music, if you like, but there was an aggression. Yeah. There was a... And... and, um, and Antagonizing the audience thing going on, you know, there was a change of of mood. Yeah, yeah so definitely. he was a good art player. But do not think yeah, he was a good art player. People start getting older and start drifting away from the scene. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Alan. I mean, once you once you hit twenty eight or so and start getting married, having families, you can't afford the, the same things that you could Correct. when you were eighteen, nineteen. Mm. Good point. But I would say to you, Alan, that. You know, and it was affirmed, reaffirmed by the guys last time. You never lose your love of music. Oh no, no. So, no. so you just then do it in different ways. So, so what did you transition into doing? How, how did your expression change? No, we didn't basically. We carried on doing no, what we wanted, but we, you were less. Le- uh, you'd have people that would come and see you, but 
there were other bands would probably get more people to watch them. Yeah. Uh, and you, of course, you never play for money. You got money. I mean, you never made money. any money at all. Money. Yeah, we never got money. <laughs> we once got called to the Inland Revenue. Sorry, I got called to the Inland Revenue because everybody else said, "Don't tell them I play in the band." <laughs> so, so I ended up <laughs> paying for all the tax, and then they had to give me the money. And Joe Williams said, "I'm not even in the band." <laughs> so, oh yeah, it was all that. And she was a beautiful lady, absolutely drop dead gorgeous. And she said, "If you earn a pound, thirty-three p of that is mine, and I want it." <laughs> and I said. So a bunch of flowers won't be any good. She said, you can... And that's what she said to me. So I said to me, like, well, hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that happened to us playing in pubs. But we, you never made money. I mean, but you end up with £10, right? You spent 15 quid on beer and you ended up with £10 at the end of the night. So was that... When you first got going as a musician, was there, was there though, a dream that actually you could be that person up on, you know, Madison Square Garden. Not for me. I wouldn't have thought so, no. Not for me, no. No. For most local musicians, no. I think you've got to be very lucky to be in the right place at the right right time. And not everybody wants to be, do they? Well, no. No, Some people don't want to be famous or whatever. No, you're right. And I guess that gives you some longevity in that actually as, of yeah, does, as long yes. as I'm playing, don't yeah. mind if I'm playing to, you know, in the front room, Yeah, as long as I'm playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you enjoy yourself. Well, I bet people still come up to these two and say, oh, I remember seeing you here, there, everywhere. Yeah, it's worse Great. than that. They say things like, my grandmother remembers coming to see you. Yeah, <laughs> so you did, so you did. <laughs> in fact, one person said to me, my grandmother used to sing in your <laughs> Uh, I only hit them once. So you did, though, develop some kind of notoriety or presence or mm. reputation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Did, did that... I'm interested in this, because that thing again about, you know, shy people don't join bands. Did being in music change you as a person, Ooh, being yeah. in a band? Yeah. How, def- how did it change def- you? Definitely. To be part of your life. I always thought early on that everybody that was a musician was like a, a hippie style everybody was nice yeah yeah uh, that sort of vibe because everybody had that sort of vibe yeah, didn't they yeah. and then you discover further down well the we line, still have this, yeah this <laughs> right about you know I've played Lancaster University in the band from Blackpool called Baby and their finish came off for Rapture's Applause and he's right back you know shooting heroin oh. and it's going what so it does it yeah i've met some really nice people that's same as kim really just play with nice people sometimes you don't have to be the best musician in the world no no and that's why as long as you can play with people that's why you still play yeah yeah and you just you just have got a great attitude towards it empathy yeah you just know as soon as you play something you know like pink morris who's uh in the audience, <laughs> uh, he's a shit hot drummer. He doesn't think he is, and he probably isn't bothered about playing. But he's he's got such a nice feel. Yeah. Uh, I missed the hot bit last time you said that. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are other drummers who just know what to play. We used to play with a drummer in Moving Pictures at the Lamb, 
and his name was Clive Eubank, who yeah. sadly passed away last year with Alzheimer's and etc. Now he's probably my favourite drummer. He just knew what he to do. He just knew. He didn't. You didn't, didn't have to explain yeah. anything. He, he wasn't fancy. He, and he, he and just he anchored it down. Did on. all the things that he wanted. Um, you knew, and you knew it was there. He was watching what was going on. You just have an odd wink, whatever. He knew exactly where. The first time he came and sat with him, he made about three mistakes out of that two and a half hours of playing. He just and he didn't know the numbers. He just knew what was going to happen because yeah, yeah. he played. And one of the other things is. What's important is that the people that we knew in the 60s and 70s, we're still friends with them. We yeah. don't see them very often, but when we do, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, and that's the good thing. Now, you only get that <coughs> from, from musicians. You might not see them for two years, and when you see them, you can still have a great conversation, mm. and that's important. I yeah, think that's yeah. really, really it's important. It's made me a better person, I would say. In what made, way? Definitely made me a, 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 say a nicer person. I've always been nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it's definitely made me a better person, a more um, <coughs> tolerant, you know, tolerant yeah. of other people's things. Because if, if I go to see a band and I think, oh gosh, bloody yeah, they're awful. rubbish. Yeah, I don't, I, I won't go up to say, I think you're rubbish. You yeah, know, you just they do their own thing, and, and it's unfair to judge uh, anybody. Yeah, that, to each their own. Yeah. And, and I guess being in a band, you have to. There has to be some compromises. So you, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially yes, musically, if we didn't like somebody, we wouldn't even be looking at numbers anyway. No. But sometimes, no. like Joe was had a, a uh, Joe Williams had a jazz background, and we were, I don't know, but we got away with playing stuff that, that everybody seemed to yeah. to like. And it's it's the combination of, of styles and likes and dislikes that. That make it work, I suppose. It's yeah. like a bit. It's like a my alchemy, isn't it? Do yeah. you know what I mean? There's different elements come from. Like I always thought, Kim, me, me personally, was a fabulous bass player. I, not because of Phil, our drummer, wanted Kim in the band because of his vocals. And I thought, no, it's his. his I always liked Kim's bass playing. Right. And I always listened to bass on every. Record everybody always listen to the bass line, fully enough. Um, and Kim's style of playing, he undersells himself. He could play, he could play with anybody. And I'm not just saying that he, he could play with anybody, Kim. And it, but it, the, it's the feel. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not technically. He can't play like Wes Stevenson out of uh, Snarky Puppies, or but I'd rather listen to Kim than Steve. Uh, Steve, he was a fabulous bass player from America, but. It's if you like it, it's, it's really the easy music. If yeah. you look, if you listen to it and you like it, end up. Let's feel, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you've, you've got to be, you've got to just enjoy it. And yeah. yes, you have. You've, and you've got to know when when you're studying the audience, watching a band, that they're enjoying it. Yeah. Mm. Because if they're not enjoying it, it transmits to you. It does. Yeah. yeah. Now, see, we have different, not different. Within our band, we have different opinions. I'm slightly more aggressive than uh, the rest of the band, but not very aggressive. But I am like when the like last night when they were talking, all I want to do is throttle them. I, I want to go for, <laughs> right. I've got it on. Let's do something now. They'll be talking about the other night. <laughs> I just it winds me up. But that's that mill thing. But what I, what I think you find with with music in general, is it, when you he's trying to find something that that you can when you're compromising. It's, it's really difficult to find something that everyone wants to do. 
And that that's the hard part about because that's why bands leave, that's why people leave bands all the time. You know, it's never about money. I mean it's very rarely about money. It's about stuff like that. Now you see, when you when you when you're playing you have to like what you want to play, haven't you? You have to like that. It doesn't matter if things come and things go. Uh, and there's loads of guys that I really, I really like musically that the terrible go and watch bands. Uh, I never go and watch bands. I don't watch bands. Rather than go and pay fifty pound to, to to listen to whoever, I'd rather buy six CDs and be playing them for the next thirty years. Yeah. Well, not now, yeah. but, but when I was younger, <coughs> I'd rather do that and I listen to them over and over again. You see, I I like uh, it's very simple. I like Duck Dove stuff like that. Bass players that play with Elton Dream. You watch them, it's effortless, absolutely, and it's it's you just anchoring it down. I don't like all these solos and. Twonky, twonky. It, it's great for them, but that's not for me. But one of the things is, what you're saying, when you're playing, you're not playing a concert, you're playing in the pub, and what you're doing is, they're there. So you want them to enjoy themselves, so they'll come back next time you yeah, play. Yeah. That's what it's about. You can't do concert stuff, something that's got full of meaning. They're having a pint, and it's in the same set, you only play one number this slow, you want them to have a good time, but you want to play what you want, but it has to be slightly up here, because it's the second set, and you want them to have a good time, they're drinking, and end out, and say, that's great. We only have these, but they had a good time, so it was great to them, and that's why you were there in the first place. It's not about you, is it? It's about them. And I'm, I'm aware that the gigs I've been to over the years, yeah, some people are entertainers, some people are not entertainers. I remember going to see Van Morrison, who was the most miserable person I've ever come across in my life. Yes. And he played most of the gig with, with his back to the audience. Yeah. Whereas other people actually are really good entertainers. Would you have described your band as quite an, he, an entertainer? He was an entertainer. Yeah. Because you're a bit more subdued as a character. You're more expressive. Oh, no, I'm very subdued. Kim is uh, as a character like Joe Williams. Joe Williams was an entertainer oh, he used to bring a spear and oh god and do more jaw working for like half an hour and yeah it, yeah but you know can i ask saying? why why did he bring a spear because <laughs> that was Joe. <laughs> to stop phil phil the rubber <laughs> well we actually played in a band called the rest of the world it was a 10-piece band and we i knew right from the beginning it would last about a fortnight well i was wrong but it lasted nearly three weeks <laughs> Because we used to have a girl who came and sang and she dressed up as a Red Indian. And we had a percussionist and it was always packed because we did things, we entertained and the absolute love of the music was pretty average because it was chaos. And we had a lovely guitar player who came on the first night called Steve Esketh, huh? right, a young lad. We started the first number and I'm going to do the vocals, we've got another guy playing bass. So we start the first number, and within 20 seconds, I can't hear anybody but Steve Eskin. <laughs> so we, I go like this. So we stop, I said, Steve, we've only got amps that go from 1 to 10. Can you turn yours down to number 27? And he said, you can fuck off. Put his guitar in his case, I walked out, and I never saw him for three years. <laughs> that was my first meeting with Steve Eskin. Then he rang me up and said, you know, the other day, I went, the other day, I went, went that, he said, well, three years ago, I went, oh, yeah. I only need a bass player, do you want to come? I said, yeah, of course you do. We got our like house of fire, rest yeah. of our life. But the band was, it couldn't survive, but it was wonderful. It was ten musicians all, Miffy was there, 
Derry John. Yeah, it would be. It was lovely. So you have that's what we had a, a room full of characters. So that was great. So yeah. I'm not a character. You need you are you need you you are you need them to enjoy themselves. And what you do is I don't like you're you you're doing this stuff or you want to have a good time, don't you? My biggest my biggest problem has always been. I was singing sort of numbers and this fella called Joe Cocker came along and buggered it all up after that everybody <laughs> said, you know, you sound just like Joe Cocker used to do me. You know, then. So you have that kind of deep gravelly kind of it voice. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. I was 60 a day, I don't smoke now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so tell, me, tell me about, I'm, I'm in, one of the other things I'm interested in is um, having reflected on you know, what's been a long career and I think, you know, we call it career because, you know, you did a great deal of it, big part of your life. Um, I wonder what role, because I know young musicians that I get to talk to, they they feel you have to go from note to 60 and, you know, go from being, yeah. learning to play a guitar to being really good at it yeah. and famous yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Um, what What was the foundation of you going forward you didn't earn any money what what jobs did you have what what was kind of life other than being in the band for you guys well i had my own uh, father's business which is a butcher's so i'm a, a qualified what's the word i'm looking for um butcher <laughs> i think it is essentially yeah, yeah. you became a surgeon later on <laughs> yes. um, Master butcher, so and I've, I've got to say on reflection now, I, I, I didn't like it, I have to say, because I can't kill a fly. <laughs> and everybody, because of it, always says, You what? Like we've, we've had a little mouse in our house, a rhyming, um, and I'm trying everything to catch this little bugger without killing it. Yeah, yeah. and my, my cousin comes, she says, Put some traps down, and I'm going, <laughs> I don't want to kill it. So we'd have to kill it. So it, it after now three months, I've eventually had to poison them. Now, right. and I, I hate, I really hate that. If I see a bee on the lawn, which I did on holiday a couple of weeks ago, I've actually got the bee on me. I'm giving it some sugar. Uh, now, for, you know, so but the, but the butcher thing gave you some stability. It, well, it? it gave me some uh, skills as. Uh, Getting on with people, I suppose. If if you have a shop, you have to be uh, able to Fairly talk pleasant. and have a laugh, and you know uh, things like that. You know, which is important because in in the music thing, you have to accommodate people. You have to talk nicely to people to get a gig. Sometimes, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's just uh, skills that I'm trying to think of the damn word. You know, the some people have no communication, communication. skills yeah. Yeah, yeah. they haven't got communication skills you know yeah. I'm when I play I just close my eyes I can't you know I, I see I just I'm so nervous even now when people really? oh god right I didn't know you closed you that's why the soul also out there I didn't realise it you never told me that I'm so nervous about play. we did a gig at the Continental for yeah. Steve Esquith's yeah. uh, yeah. memorial thing yeah. and I think for a day and a half it was when I say bricking it, I mean bricking it. Really? I'm so nervous, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting, because uh, particularly having done, I don't know, how many, I'm not going to say 100 gigs, but how many thousand gigs, you would imagine that would kind of disappear a bit, no. but obviously it didn't. I think if it does disappear, you shouldn't be playing, because I think you should always be nervous about 
doing a gig because I think then you end up if you're not careful going through it like the Rolling Stones yeah God almighty how, how do you get turned on to go and do a, yeah. a gig like that they're not nervous about somebody gives him his guitar and then he's you know finally alright you know, giving him a towel to wipe his bloody head Christ just that would just not happen that bit well, I couldn't handle that so I did, how do they get motivated but, but they, I think they're just going through the motions mm. it's that easy to them but it makes yeah, and we laugh a lot because when we make yeah. mistakes, for instance, when Terry makes the occasionally, when Terry occasionally makes a mistake, he always does this and points at the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> this is regular thing, regular as clockwork. They go out and make a mistake and it goes, while <laughs> everybody's watching, and I take him out and carry on playing. Nice. So he's, yeah, that's what happens. Teamwork. Um, yeah. so, so how... So, Kim, what what was your thing? What did you do through the whole Right, life? well, I was a millwright and used to mend windmills, literally. That's what I used to do. I enjoyed being a millwright, I enjoyed mending windmills all over the country, did that. And then uh, I bought a house and couldn't manage other money, so I literally went to British Aerospace. And the good thing is, I was there for 26 years and I hated it for 28. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Uh, I met a, l- a lot of... Characters at British Aerospace, there used to be a place called the Madhouse. It was called the Madhouse for obvious reasons. And they literally used to carry men out. And they didn't carry men out. They literally go, I can't go, I can't go anymore. Like that. So I didn't enjoy the work, but I met a lot of nice people. And even though it sounds very uh, violinist, I actually didn't enjoy making things that killed people. First of all, I was working on Concord, so I didn't mind that. Then when they moved me on to the military aircraft, I've always had a thing about that. But I carried on going. I had a family, the mortgage, and I, I swapped my principles for money. Yeah, and right I, didn't, I didn't enjoy doing that, but it's just what you do in life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But you don't play for money, and you have to be edgy when you play. I don't mean edgy, the new word edgy. You, you're, huh? you're a bit nervous. You've got your butterflies, and you're thinking, oh, and I, I, I have a big smile. I put the smile on, so when I'm making mistakes, I've still got the smile on. And I'm going, oh, Jesus Christ, I did that wrong. <laughs> it's, like, it's like adrenaline. Oh, yeah, it pumps me. And, of course, Cherry Hood bolts me because I always have my notes. The, the notes, it doesn't have the notes. I don't have notes like that. I go like, first intro, first verse, solo, double solo. Now, Cherry remembers everything. And then he'll say to me, what, what do we do there? Because he, he tries to remember everything. He remembers what I don't remember anything. And now, I don't remember, everything comes in and goes out the same day, <laughs> and I'm happy, so, so when we rehearse like that, we, we're actually, I try to be calmer than I am, he's calm and he bollocks because I get animated myself, for fuck's sake, you know, because he's, he's talking about what, we, what tea was last night, and they're talking about what we're going to do next week, but what <laughs> I just want to go, let's get on with it, and I really enjoy it. Uh, but I think music... You have to, you have to, oh, I hate these corny words, in your blood, you do. You, 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 even if you don't play, you still put things on, but oh, you don't yeah. listen to it like people who don't play listen to it. You listen to oh. music completely different than, than other people who just buy things. So you like analysing it kind of thing? Oh, yeah. I, when I listen, I'm listening to bass rooms, I think, oh, that's nice, oh, that's good. And you might play it three or four times and stuff like that, you know, and, you don't, and then you, you, you nick a bit, especially me from Duck Dumb. I could play all the duck dumb bass. Chris, and I play them in numbers that aren't aren't suitable. For, I think that one comes out of green union. Like I can shove that in with back with the shoe, you know. <laughs> I, and I do stuff like that and steal them all. I'm very simplistic in my bass. I just think that the drummer and the bass, 
We are the band, and then there are all the porters at front, the singers and the guitar players that take all the lead guitars and the valves, and we stand at the back doing them. We're the cake, and they're the icing on the cake. Yeah, the drummers and the bass players. Yeah, we enter it all down, don't we? <laughs> we do all the hard work, and they're funny about it. What's the biggest element in any, any band is, is the rhythm section. Yeah, it is. Yeah. If you've got, if you've got a, a good bass player and a good drummer, let's say a good drummer, you know, a good drummer, uh, that's all that's this essentially the basic for everything everybody else it does yeah. yeah you know so but when you're a, not i don't classify myself as a guitar player but you watch some of the good guitar players in america britain you know and, and they don't do they don't seriously don't do anything for me the only one that does moves me is jeff beck some of jeff beck's stuff uh well, so probably David Gilmore, but again, he plays from the heart. They all play. The ones that sucks, anybody that can play 100 miles an hour doesn't doesn't interest me whatsoever. Yeah, I agree doesn't with interest that. me whatsoever. Just a, just a little aside, you should have... Do you know Karangbin? Who? Karangbin. No. Karangbin. <laughs> Karangbin is a, a band out of... I think like the Boston or somewhere. Yeah, American right. three piece. Right. Really great guitarist in yeah. there. You should check it out. I will Kerrang. It's a Thai kind of word. Think of Kerrang as in the magazine Kerrang yeah. thing. A bin. Right. Karang check bin. it out. Check I it always out. check things out by yeah, the way. Yeah. I, you know, if somebody says, Listen, have you heard such a body? They go, No. So just give it a listen. Um, yeah, you do that actually. I don't yeah, do that. Yeah, that was that was one of the things I was going to ask actually. But yeah, I know yeah. you you mentioned earlier about soul influences and and and. Uh, yeah, listen to Steve Cropper, blues yeah. and old kind of influence. Yeah. But I'm interested, maybe particularly with you, Alan, because I've obviously working in um, action records for quite a period, and early on, and you know, you you're a music lover. Do you listen to new stuff? Are you into yeah. new stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what you're into at the minute. <laughs> you put me on the spot. No, you're all right. Don't worry. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the new wave stuff I listen to. I mean, I, I really I, I, stuff like I'm not talking heads are old fashioned now, but that type of stuff really yeah. interests me. But David Burns putting good stuff out now, isn't he? Of course yeah. he is. Yeah. 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 I mean, anyone that plays from the heart, I, yeah. I, I can understand, I can get into. It's these people like Kim say, play at 100 miles an hour and there's no feeling in it whatsoever. Just goes completely over my head. Mm -hmm. I'm just not interested. Well, somebody's once asked the question, of, I don't know who it was now, said, who's your favourite guitar player? Which is a silly fucking question. Yeah, really. yeah. It's daft. But the answer was whoever I'm listening to at the time. Yeah. And that's that's it really. Why 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 would I have a favourite guitar player? I do listen. I listen to anybody, and I think I listen. Mark Mark Latier is the one of the only guitar players I've listened to in the past couple of years. And I, when I saw it, I thought, Oh my God, he was he's absolutely wonderful. And we actually got to see him at the band on the wall in Manchester right. only about three years ago. And when I saw the advert, I said, Marla Thierry, yeah, and on the wall. Yeah, I was joking. Yeah. So we, yeah, I, I, yeah, I said to him, I'm taking you to see somebody. And he's a love, absolutely fabulous. Now, he plays he, he plays a lot of, with a lot of different people. Sorry, different Terry, stuff. I'm picking up toys that you can Yeah, yeah. Can, we might need to pause for two seconds whilst the cistern is doing its thing. 
Sorry, um, we had to pause there. Um, tell me about the Hendrix gig because I know it's not a Preston thing, no, but I'm just, but, I'm just well, interested. Well, they said that, that in the early 60s when they, they had packaged package tours yeah. and uh, so we went to see the Who in Liverpool and it said that this particular bill was Jimi Hendrix but it, it was just seeing somebody you know who got all this reputation yeah and then you got somebody like Engelbert Humperdinck yeah Johnson. and you get same bloody bell you <laughs> yeah. know yeah. people yeah. like that really good guitar player yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was well, again magical that at that time you're actually seeing the people that you heard about yeah. or listened to yeah. you know um, but the nice probably did it for me on that particular occasion because they, they would do, did Rondo and right. oh my god uh, it was just like well I remember seeing the oh, nice at the old public hall where uh, oh it, he did the America where he burnt the flag and everything yeah and sticking knives <laughs> in yeah. his hand and yeah. all bloody sorts yeah. so it was just like wow yeah. you know and then he turned into Emerson Lake and Paul yeah, unfortunately yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but I still I went to see Andy Fairweather Low uh, just before Christmas, I think. Yeah. Um, and again, all main corner. I was just as Kim says something because he knows a friend of Kim, did it, Kev uh, Brown. Kev Brown. All right. Uh, and what a lovely concert that was. Mm. You know, it's bold, and he said, "I must say, I'm Andy Fairweather Love." I said, "This is what fifty years of rock and roll." Just <laughs> 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 and then the set of numbers, all fabulous music, every one of them. And you think. It didn't stir me, stir me as in thing, but I thought, oh, good start, he's still bloody doing it. Yeah. Quality. There's 200 people in the platform at Morecambe. But why wouldn't you still well, do it if you enjoy doing well, it? Yeah, well, that's it. it. Why, if you enjoy doing it. Why, why, why should I mean, Rod Stewart got knocked to the bloody... Uh, oh, yeah. but, you know, but it's, concert, you know, it's... it's bloody, there's not many 78-year-olds, but Paul McCartney's 80. Oh. You know, rocking his out. Is it 80? 80? Well, there's a lot of good musicians locally who don't play, aren't they? But they still give as it we're, people... As we're looking at tonight, see, then I, and I, I understand why, why they don't play. I mean, Terry's a player, I'm not a player, I play in bands, but I'm not a player. These are players and they don't play all of a sudden. For whatever it is, you decide not to do, don't you? I mean, I, I can remember one of the nicest times of my old play thing where I used to go down to a pub called the Railway down Butler Street. Right, yeah. And they had this guy who played piano called Sed Owenby. He played jazz. And Wally, it was Wally, was the landlord. And Fred Kelly was a, a fairly well known yeah. pro, pro he drummer. His brother John Kelly played drums. And then I get up and uh, Wally goes start pulling pipes and I get up and play double bass. And it was a wonderful three years. So it was almost like a house band. Oh, it was, yeah. yeah. And, and singers have come, what they call it, Eddie Calvert's sister, Margaret Calvert. Great voice. She'd come, Alan Soldier come in. I enjoyed that. I thought that was wonderful. I was back on double bass doing that, singing a few Ray Charles numbers, so, and it was nothing to do with, with bands at all. No. You see, and Terry likes things like Jimi Hendrix and all that sort of stuff. Well, I, 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 while he was listening to that, I'm listening to you, but suddenly, an Otis Rush. So we actually managed to play together because we come from completely different musical backgrounds. So it's compromise, isn't it? Because I don't listen to yeah, any of that. I mean, I wouldn't have gone round the corner if Jimmy Hendrix had been paid. You wouldn't have been any different. <laughs> I just can you turn it down? I'm listening to you. Yeah, that's what I said. That's that's the difference. So Terry does all yeah. that, but I like Andy Fur with a lot. Well, that's compro compromise. It that's is. what it's called about compromise. Yeah. Because, because you don't like that particular. I mean, we we actually play. <coughs> 
two or three years ago started doing Time is Tight by Booker T and and Kevin's like gobsmacked because he's like, God, I've always, since we were 15, wanted to play Booker T. <laughs> Can't get anybody who wants to play Booker T because it's all that, you see, and all those doors, they all yawn. You know. have a keyboard player who doesn't like being in the limelight, he likes to start acting, he's probably playing his car. But he, he'll, he'll play, play, he won't play solos. Uh, that's not what Pete does. So we play Time is Tight, we do Booker T. And we do it sounds like Booker T. It sounds great, he plays great solos. We play we used to play Jelly Bed, which is frighteningly good Uh so it's stuff like that. I can actually play things from memories years ago and you actually play a thing thinking, Well, I hope you like him, but if you don't do, we still play it, it goes, We're this age now, aren't we? And if you get up in the morning you think it's a really good day this, so we get up and we're doing that. <laughs> because a lot of yeah, people that we like and they're not getting up. Well, Belongs one of them. Some of the music is still relevant to everybody, isn't of course it? it? Is, yeah. If you live if you listen to like you're saying to Radio One and there's not there's not and I'm not trying to be biased and I'm not trying to be horrible about it, but there's there's not much There's nothing. There's, there's, there's nothing. No well I was being nice, you know. But there isn't anything anything that stirs me at all. I mean there's six music. But there's a lot of people who are not music. They listen. To, they listen to music. But well, it's they, background. But they don't listen to yeah, music. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They don't actually go. Oh, wow, that, well, that's a nice. Yeah. Oh, that's all. Oh, have you heard that bass play? Don't give it. Do you go to see? And I know you. You said Kim. You don't go to many gigs, but um, do you go to see local bands? Do you? Are you aware of any local bands that, that, that no. are good or? Uh, no, the so we were played at these ships and giddles. There were a few indie type, but is that Ward Seventeen and Ward Fourteen <coughs> who do? We went to see the Hookers in nineteen sixty six, didn't we? <laughs> remember that? It was a good gig. I remember the Hookers. <laughs> yeah, they were, good. they were really good. They were good luck. I liked them. They were nice lads. John Lee Hooker, by yeah, the way. The right, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we all had dresses on. That's <laughs> going on. I mean, there's still local bands out there that are worth a, a visit to see, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't think of not a fan, but... Did I mean, you still... If I, I think from working in the shop, really, they bring stuff in and you listen to it, and you think, yeah, it's not too bad, that, you know. And let me know when you're playing somewhere, I'll come and, come and watch you or yeah. whatever. And you do. Yeah. And... Well, that's good because you're more open-minded. He is it more open-minded. Cherries, they are, and it's encouraging, isn't it? You know, if you of it is. you know when you were you were first starting out, if somebody says, "Oh yeah, tell me when there's a gig and I'll try and come," that's a big encouragement for yeah, you yeah, to yeah. do it, isn't yeah, yeah. it? Yeah, I'm interested actually from all three of you because you're of an age where you may be thinking about what's my legacy been in life, and I'm interested to know whether you have had an impact on family i don't know whether you've had kids or whatever family you might have grandkids who knows yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> any family members or close very close friends that are you know of a generation after you that you've had influence on do you think with your music yeah. i have one probably grandson who's closest sorry plays drums you've got so relaxed hey. plays um drums uh, at school, but, well, say a band, and it sounds. I've heard just a recording on her phone. I thought, oh my god, how good's that? Now, Theo's been down to Ships and Giddles to see us, and he, it, 
and he was absolutely gobsmacked and he's like trying to put my guitar away and shit like that. So it's an XLR. XLR, ah. yes. And he just uh, thinking Bobby Beat, what's it called? Boom Beat. Boom Box. Boom Box. Boom Box, that was it. And it's absolutely. That one I played, I played it to you, it was Theo, and it's absolutely, it's really good. So I think probably him, I think. Uh, my daughter, nobody else, I don't think. So I have a son in law who plays keyboards, but they have, oh yeah, poss- possibly was an influence on Pete because he used to come and see us play. He did? Early, he used to go early, and watch us play, play, we used to have to put him in the corner because we were old enough. Uh, and they're now in the band with us. Very funny. And, yeah, and they used to reach him in the corner and we'd be playing the gig, so they're now the other half of the band. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, great, I, isn't it? And I did mention still can't play. Bill Hunt, who influenced me playing-wise, but, you know, it was just so nice that saying, oh, if you build a cabinet, you can put your speaker and all this. Yeah. And now the singer in the band is his son. Yeah. Neil. Neil. Yeah. So Neil. the the baton is, is being passed along. With, yeah, definitely. I think, I think well, so. Well, Neil, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's dad, Bill. When I, when I, in one of my peers when I was playing, he used to ring me up say, "Can you come down? And need a bass player." I ah. say, "You are a bass player, Bill." And he say, "Yeah, but what happens is I get two for one if you come down. You can, <laughs> you can sing it first set. Then when I get pissed, you can play bass, bass in the second set." <laughs> so I used to go down and do that. The bill, that's what he used to do. Because he was rattled, so like you said. So I picked the bass up and played Bill So he used to do that. But when you talk about that, yeah, uh, my daughter plays squeeze box, clarinet, and the guitar. My son's played in grindcore thrash metal bands. He's a vegan, we're all vegetarians, he's a vegan. He played with bands from America, bands from Italy, bands from Sweden, all over our Dave. Play we also made loads of vinyl stuff. It won't have anything to do with CDs. I've got loads of vinyl stuff. Yeah, we're all players in our in our family. And and you've kind of had that influence in that respect. Well, did they come to gigs and stuff? And no, I gave you one. Come on, I I gave you. I got him a guitar of Steve Esketh when he was twelve, uh, and I got him. <laughs> we tuned it in, hey. and I said, "I know you're not going to like this, but have a look at it." So he looked at it for about half an hour and went. No, <laughs> I don't want to play that. Started down tuning and never looked back. Right. Had right. Hundreds of guitars, but he still got his first guitar that we bought him. He still plays that. To Gordon Smith. Absolutely. Well, I actually asked him to come, didn't I? I said, just show me how you... you did. A, even though I don't... I don't, I don't if, if I was honest, I don't. It's not my scene. So no, it's but, not mine, But either. I do appreciate... That's what I think really I'm saying. It, even though it's not my thing in any capacity, I'm still interested. That's a bloody hell that. So he's going on. Yeah, it's all and down tuning and all this. I carry couldn't on. even think how he plays, yeah. you know, but it's a it's a different, totally different style, isn't it? Yeah, but we don't have a legacy, do we? No. We just saw people that played music when we were younger. The next lot coming up behind us, and uh, nobody will remember. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because we, we didn't yeah. do it for them. No, I think I think you do have a legacy because uh, because yeah. fi- and the fact of the yeah, matter I is, I agree, yeah. Chris. Yeah. yeah, I think you do have I a mean, legacy. Yeah, Preston Oz these people a big thank you I mean without these the music scene could have died in the, in the early 70s yeah and I think yeah part of that legacy is geographically you stayed kind of in the area yeah because yeah. one yeah. of the things that obviously happens with musicians like you were saying like your, your son goes to America and plays for bands or whatever his musicians disappear to yeah. other areas yeah, do, don't they yeah. Yeah. and but it's I, the people that make the scene so if if that person vacates, they take all of their stuff with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Everything. Yeah. I mean, at one time, 
if you wanted to make it in the music industry, you had to move from Preston. Yeah. You had to move south. Yes. And that was it. If you if you stopped round here, you were just a, a well local. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Local, yeah. You know, just someone that you go and see occasionally. And uh, but these lot, when they created the Amethyst Club and everything, it was brilliant. It was a focus of attention, and and we uh, I think Preston Seals and a big thank you for that. And because I know Miles, when I interviewed Miles Salisbury, he was talking about the early punk thing. Yeah. And at that point, he suggested to me that, and I think Gordon reaffirmed this from Action Records, that at that point, people were coming to Preston to have a look what was going on because there was noise coming out of Preston that stuff was happening, yeah. you know, that perhaps yeah. wasn't happening yeah. in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you think at any point in your thing, I know you've talked about local audiences, were people from other outside of Preston, other areas come into your gigs and stuff? No, the only one I remember is Brian Epstein coming up to me and saying, Terry. do you want to join a good band? Oh, yeah, and he said, who is he? <laughs> he said the Beatles, you went, no, I'm not interested. Said, I said, look, Brian, <laughs> you look, Brian I'm not joining any band called the Beatles. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I, remember, I remember saying that. When he said to you, do you want to play a bass game? I said, is that a thick string or a thin string? Well, that, that, <laughs> that, Which one's that one? What Kim is doing there, pointing out, this uh, another player, John Thompson, once said, give us an E. <laughs> and I said, is that thick or thin? <laughs> <laughs> and he's still, they still mention it to this day. Yeah. But I don't know. I know it's a topic anyway. So if you said to me, name the strings that yeah. I've got, E, A, B... It doesn't come to me naturally, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, so I just said, is that thick or thin? So he still laughs about it. He said, I thought you were joking. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> no. did you get into writing your own material? Ooh, a couple of... No. We've done... We no. Did, we did a number called no. Can't Get Next to You, is it? Is that Ain't like, Fooling You. Ain't Fooling You, which is... on. on uh, we actually recorded it. And I still think it's a shit-hot number, I have to say. It's a bit like badging, but Kim's vocals on it are really, really good. And that's on a CD that we we, we uh, put out yeah. called Standing Room Only. Yeah, because we were called Moving Pictures then. <laughs> so it was a great name, Standing Room Only, wasn't it? For a good title for the yeah, nice. we could have called it not on the back. So that, that, was a, that was a, a, a really <laughs> tight band, but again, the personnel had changed over different things, different drummer. Because uh, actually, sadly, one of our drummers has uh, committed suicide. But yeah, um, I did. Steve, and he was a nice lad too, and he was a lovely lad. Yeah, he was. Uh, you kind of move, you move, and you just know that like, John came in. I don't think we even rehearsed, did we? we just no. like one, two, three, yeah, off we went. So, we did a lot of his numbers, didn't we? He played in the band called Zanzibar. See, that's the other thing. He came from Zanzibar and I'm going, I don't know about this, sir. <laughs> you know, I'm listening to it thinking, right, I can't, I can't help that. I listened to Steve <coughs> Tropper, Chuck Lowe, David Sanborn, and he's coming in doing... So what kind of music was Zanzibar? Well, it was the kind of music that I don't listen to. It was that kind of music, but it was, <laughs> it, it was good. Covers a wide area. <laughs> it does. Hello, I'm very narrow like that, but it works. You know what I mean. Zanzibar it, were excellent. Yeah, they were. They, they were. They were. They forced me to buy an album by the movies. So they did two tracks by the movies. Yeah. And yeah, they were. They were, they were and they were really good. Clive was 
Clive, the drummer came in. He knew Johnny, and he was sick. They were, they were just. He just ended up being tight from minute one, all the way through. And it's not when I heard. Well, I don't, you just know right away, actually, that it, it doesn't take more than five minutes to go. You know, that's it's just not right. And it's, yeah. It's no, you can't, I think if you have to tell somebody uh, that's what you want them to play, it's, it's, yeah, you're yeah. onto a loser there, yeah, 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 because yeah, they yeah. should know what it's to gonna, They don't know what to play. It's going to become the, hard work. Pete, the yeah. key, our keyboard player, a butt joke, and he can play. And Anything. He, and he's very... Uh, he doesn't, he's not bothered about being a keyboard player but it is some of the stuff he plays you could say Booker T you mean yeah. and he plays Booker T yeah like Bruce Floyd, Floyd, Bruce he just, just put a different patch in or whatever you do on these things nowadays and, and it just sounds like who you want to sound like you know what I mean so so was part of the combination that some of the people in the band actually did, did, under, did understand music and did kind of the theory of music did like Pete, they probably had similar things to us, listening to stuff and uh, yeah, like Pete. Yeah. Pete is, is an American, you know, a Bon Jovi type of thing, Rush type of stuff. Yeah, and, and then he, he loves that. Yeah, uh, and I keep telling him where's going wrong. <laughs> I keep saying, I'll just listen to this, and he goes, Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> and then he'll say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he listens to different things, you know, and he does. It's, it's, it's from his age group. We're from our age group, but we come from different directions. The same thing. I mean, I, I know I've said this, but he's 61. I went to Manchester Free Trade Hall. 62, 62, 63. And I sat there and John Yucker walked up and played. He went off and Willie Dixon was in the band. Huh? Nice J.D. Job. Fontana on drum. Memphis Slim on piano. It's like, and Sugar Paddy Santo came on. Four foot two, uh, foot, six foot six wide. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. It, just howling wolf. It's ridiculous. But I'm listening to that. I'm not listening to uh, the face. Sorry. I'm not listening to the faces. I'm not listening to uh, the who. I'm not listening to any of that. So, so we actually do really well that we played together coming from completely different sorts of music I, I, I now listen to jazz all the time I think that's what works in the it end those differences if you all like the same thing you end up sounding like the same thing don't you so yeah. if you've got different influences from from other musical outlets or whatever it doesn't matter whether it's the small faces or yeah. or, or, or Pink Floyd or whatever you still got to appreciate you know uh, people that can play uh, different things, and you got if you just like the wor worst thing I've heard, and I'm not, I won't mention any names, but it posts something about Coldplay. He said, "I bought the latest Coldplay CD. It'll do as a, a good doorstop." <laughs> now, I'm not being funny. I think that's I think that's that's not, that's not good. No. Not coming from another musician. It's not good. It's not nice, that is it? Yeah, I know. You know. Mean. It's, uh, but that's his opinion. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, well, no, they're not that. I mean, I like some Coldplay stuff, but I like Lord Coldplay. Are much, de yeah, demeaned. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, then they, they shouldn't be because they make drugs. Re record. I think it's because it's Coldplay. But they yeah. suffered that thing of becoming successful, didn't they? That's, that's, the, yeah. that's the point. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes success is uh, like shooting yourself in the foot. Um, like even Dave Gilmore said on an interview, one when they did when they top top of the fame, he said we just thought, what we're we gonna do now? Yeah, yeah. 
what, 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 you know, what can you follow about Dark Side of the Moon with? And I came and said, you can follow it with bloody anything. But all, <laughs> the, all I'm saying is, they, must, they were all sat there going, all right, we've yeah, got what everything. Do we do now? We've got success, money, fame, many guitars you can buy, big houses, etc. But they still felt, what now? Yeah. Mm, so, and um, that's what happens. As a as a final question, I'd like you to each tell me your across your whole kind of experience of music in Preston, the highlight. But you know, even that you know for five minutes highlight of your experience of the scene, and it can be a you know it could be meeting somebody, it could be a particular guitar solo. It could be um, anything. Terry, give me a, well, a highlight. I suppose when you ask the question, I think one of my was that the fact Phil Heaves, Phil Heaves, <laughs> Phil Eaves actually hugged me at um, what's the teachers' training college at Ormskirk? Edgehill. Edgehill College, and we were playing opposite one end of the room, one end where the uh, they were called the Maple Leaves. And the bass player was Peter Quaife out of the Kinks. All right, yeah. And he'd left the Kinks and, joined, and formed this band. And we blew them off. I don't say blew them off stage, but we certainly went down a lot better than they did. And we were doing, like, cream you know, solos and things. And, and uh, Phil came up to me in the, in the dressing room, which is the cupboard round the corner, and hugged me. That was fantastic, Terry, you know. And he was... Whatever. So that's probably and playing with Kim is a highlight as well because he's always been we've always been good mates. Sometimes, sometimes we don't sit the same sort of thing. We 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 meet up and we have sim, not similar musical things, but we, we do actually have si similar musical things. They might be from different people, but they mm. they're all. You know, the difference is it doesn't matter sometimes whether it's a bit... It, just because he's the bass player in Coldplay, Kim couldn't play Coldplay full enough. It's, it's not that style of bass playing. It's totally different sort of stuff. Um, How much I look it? But, but, but essentially, having having found a really good friend through it. Yeah, <coughs> um, friend. friends for life, I suppose. I met some really nice people along the way who, who we still see and... Um, that would be coming to when we've got a gig, gig in July in Chipping. Uh, there'd be a few people will come and oh, bloody great, you know, they'd still, they will, oh god, we've got to go and see him again. <laughs> but they but they, they will, they still turn up. And the same people, like the gig we did at Steve Hesketh's as a, a young lass, um, who would just know over the years, and she said, Do you know, Terry, you're my favourite guitar player? <laughs> Oh, nice. Excellent. You can't yeah. get any better. You can't get that. any better than that. You know? um, and in fact, Steve Esker's daughter was at the gig with her boyfriend, and he came up. To, he said, "Excuse me." And I went, "Yeah." He said, "He said, can I just say?" He said, "Everybody'll take my eyes off you." I said, "Why?" He, he said, "I've never seen anybody <laughs> play a guitar with no strings on." <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was so complimentary. He said, "I said, I'm gonna take my eyes off you. Where you play guitar?" And I thought, "I do have fun, you know, because I don't rate myself in any capacity." I have to say, I'm the same with you every time we play. Yeah. Keep my eyes on you all. 
that's, so, that's, that's probably, a, a, I suppose, a, a modern, a, an up-to-date uh, thing. If somebody who knew Steve, obviously, through his daughter, uh, that he enjoyed my flame, it went out of his way to say that he did. And, you know, it's, it's nice when people say that, oh, bloody hell, you, you, you go, no, I'm not, you know. Well, it's nice that it keeps giving, isn't it? Across, yeah. you know, 130 years later. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Alan, what's your highlights of your musical experiences in Bristol? Probably putting the first Boo Radley's album out, or helping to put the first Boo Radley's album out. I mean, at the time, they were just a, a gigging band from Liverpool, and uh, they had no record contract or anything. Uh, they used to play around, they got friendly with uh, lads from Dandelion Adventure, a Preston band. And uh, they gave Mark, the singer, uh, a tape and he passed it on to us and said, what did you think of this? And we put it in and I, I thought, this has got something. There's something about this, it's good. Let's, I said to Gordon, let's put the record out. And we put it out and uh, their career went from there to there <laughs> inside three years, like so. It's just gratifying to the, to know that uh, you know you you've been involved in something like that. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're a part of musical history. They're, they they're, are now, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did yeah. stuff, yeah. definitely. Yeah, but uh, as I say, you know, you used to go to gigs with them, and every, I remember lending the drummer a tenner to get home from a gig in Liverpool, with no money or anything. So, you know, fantastic. Yeah. Good memories. I still haven't got it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good memories. There yeah, are. it is. Yeah. It's uh, it's nice to know that uh, something that you were involved in at an early stage, and 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 it became successful. Yeah. You know, and it's just great, and they still talk to you, you know, when you see them occasionally. Yeah, well done you. Yeah, that's good. Eric nice. still talks to me, Clapton. Eric, Eric still talks to me. He's just Eric, he does. He talks to me once. I said, what did he say? He said, get out of my fucking way. Kim, <laughs> <laughs> what about a highlight from you? Oh, yeah, well, right, the miles, I have to say, would be watching somebody playing pressing would have to be passed that I thought they were the best thing I'd ever seen in Preston. I have other memories of, you know, not better musicians, but different musicians. The bluesy stuff and jazz stuff was, you know, David Sanborn. I, I like the jazz thing. That's all we listen to at home is, is jazz and stuff. But yeah, I thought Pastor, they were mind-blowing. I thought, when you listen to music and you think you know a bit about music, only at your level, and then somebody comes and you go, yeah. <laughs> right, all of a sudden, he, I thought it was great, put you right back in your box. Yeah. You realise yeah. that's how bad I am because I'm listening to these guys. And I thought that, that was wonderful. And, 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 and otherwise, I would have to say, when he talks about friends, he has other friends than me. So usually the Bill Shanker thing, no, I'm not his big pal, but I am his bass player. And I think that's more important to me than the friendship thing, because you can go away, it's like, see, I don't see the last month when we talk, it's great, but I'm his bass player, and he gives me all the things I need that make me want to play, because I'm quite happy not to play, just as happy not to play. Yeah. So that, that's important. And other, other thing, 
I know I say about other local bands, and I've seen them, and they're really good. The local bands coming through, it's dead important, isn't it? But it actually doesn't float my boat at all. I, it's just, I'm very, not, I am narrow-minded. I, uh, you know, I like, you get on with your bit there, I'm not bothering you, don't bother me, this is where I am, and, and I can go down my railway track, because it's a long track, and there's loads of stuff in that track I haven't even seen yet. Loads and loads of stuff. Well, I know Kev, you, he does lots of uh, open mic nights. And I always, when I, I don't, it's often now since the bittersweet closed down, but I just think anybody, and I mean anybody, can get up on their own, play guitar, whatever standard, and do that. It's, got, it's always got a big tick for me. I always think, well, really yeah. good on you, mate. Because yeah. you know, well, it's a lot funny, of me, my cousin's a bass player, like you, Kim. He's at the background, laying the bass down. And he said, I don't know how you do that. I said, why? He said, you're a musician. He said, no, I couldn't stand the front. Yeah. That's like what you were saying earlier on. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, and I think, I think that thing of... Some, somebody getting up on their own in particular there is nowhere to hide is there no, 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 no. and I always have, I, I don't whether I like what they're doing it doesn't matter uh, but I still admire them really because I couldn't really do it they say, yeah, of course you can I can't yeah. you know, I can't. no besides me no, I find that strange we like to be besides I think that's uh, maybe a good place to end that because I think that the important thing that seems to me from that that little anecdote there is that People need places to do that. There's got to be open mics. There's got to be venues. People need spaces within which to do that. And potentially they are the next Jimi Hendrix. They are the next Steve Winwood. Whoever. Agree entirely. Um, Thank you, Kim. You're more than welcome, Charles. Terry, Alan. Thank you. Chris. Much appreciated. Um, And it's really important that we get an array of voices and there's been a big array around the table today. (laughs) So thank you to Ray. Thank you for watching this episode of The Preamp Project. For more conversations like this one, hit the subscribe button, don't forget to like, and leave a comment down below letting us know what you'd like to hear from us and who you'd like to hear it from. We'll see you next time.